Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, it's Jackie Cation And you are listening to The Dork Forest The website's JackieCation.com DorkForest.com TheDorkForest.com if you like a determiner Let's do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio and video. Vilmos works on JackieCation.com. And Mike Rickberg uh, sang the song with his wife, Sarah. He composed it, and he will sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening to The Dorks Forest. Here's a scoop. I'm doing stand-up online. A lot of Zoom shows will eventually go back on the road. Sign up for my email list. It's easy to get off. It's harder to get on than it is to get off. And no harm, no foul. If ever bored, JackieCasia.com, sign up for the email list. You'll find out about my weekly Zoom shows and stand up on the road eventually. You may donate to the show if you would like. I would like. Sure, I would. There's PayPal, Jackie at JackieCasia.com, and there is a PayPal button on both ZorkForest.com and JackieCasia.com, and there's Venmo, if you like Venmo, Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. If you have listened to all of the shows, go to dorkforest.bandcamp.com, I think. The Dork Forest has a Bandcamp page. You can listen to a, but a lot of ones that are free from pre 2000 nine when I started pre-recording and uh, then there's uh, live episodes that cost me a couple of bucks so I charge you a couple of bucks there's also some stand-up there's a story uh, album that's very exciting there and um, other than that I have a lot of merch in my garage feel free to order if you know anybody who doesn't have any CDs or the DVD and uh, you can follow me everywhere at Jackie Cation let's get into the show Hi, Jackie Cation over here in my in my living room. No, it's my garage. Finally, Tom Papa is on the Dork Forest. Welcome to the Dork Forest, Tom Papa. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is true. It is T O M P A P A. That's how I would spell Tom Papa, and that's how he does. And you could find everything probably at TomPapa.com, but I just asked him a bunch of things, and that wasn't one of them. So let me t- tell you that he has a new book out. And it's called You're Doing Great and Other Reasons to Stay Alive. He has a Sirius XM show with Fortune Feimster called What a Joke. Uh, he's got a bread baking uh, Instagram show, essentially, that he pushes <laughs> to his YouTube called Breaking Bread. Breaking, I get it. Breaking it's, Bread's the podcast. That's the podcast. Yeah. And then, Breaking Bread's the podcast. This is, I know, I've, I've, I've created all these things in fits and starts. And, <laughs> and, and, and so they ended up with all, all these names. Right. Uh, there's the Breaking Bread podcast, which you, people loved you on, by the way. Oh, that was very nice of them. Yes. And, and then um, uh, I also have a YouTube channel where I actually teach people how to bake bread. That'd be pr- probably good because I don't know how. Andy has started making soda bread and we used to have a bread machine. Get this. Didn't work. I couldn't make the bread machine work, which is weird. Which is good because the bread machines aren't the best. No, it's not. It, it doesn't have that je ne sais quoi. Nah. Anyway, Tom Papa, will you be discussing is your dorkdom flour, water, salt, uh, and whatever else goes in bread? Yeast. Yeast. Of That's course. It. Otherwise, Flour, it's water, un- salt, and yeast. Otherwise, unleavened. <laughs> My sister once That's gave right. me a book called Ratio, which is because uh-huh. I guess bread's all about ratios. Yeah. A whole book on that? Yeah. It just sort of talks about like you could make bread for one person or for a million people, but it's all oh. just the same ratio. Wow. You would That's, like that book. Yeah, I would like that book. Talk- I know. I have so many books now. It's it's kind of insane. How did it How- start? Like what makes a what makes a person go? You know what I want to do? <laughs> I want to get covered in flour and need some flour. Yeah, uh, you know I always cooked, but I, but I never really was into baking bread like this. This was, uh, and then I was writing on this TV show called Red Oaks, which was on Amazon. Yeah, and uh, we would have it was a it wasn't a traditional writers' room. It was um, uh, we would get go on these like retreats in this hotel and we would all like pitch stories for a week or two and then split up. And there was this great guy, Max, who was one of the writers. 
And he, during one of our breaks, started talking about how he was baking sourdough bread and it started explaining the sourdough starter, this, this living organism that creates the yeast, which is what you bake the bread from. And it just sounded like science fiction. Yeah. And I came home and told my family about it at dinner and just tell them how weird it was and it sounded kind of cool, but weird. And then my daughter on the sly yep. got a sourdough starter started for me. Oh. Which is just taking flour and water, equal parts, putting it in a bowl yeah. and letting the yeast that's flying around us enter the bowl and starts eating it. And then it starts to bubble and then you take a little off and you keep feeding it. And then you end up with this like kind of living blob. And she gave it to me for Christmas. Oh, that and is then, adorable. Yes. Yeah. So then from that, I baked my first loaf of bread with at Max's directions. Okay. And it was uh amazing. It just Did it I kind of nailed it. And it it okay. worked. His he's very scientific guy and his uh his mind is, you know, very thorough yeah. and he he gave me very detailed directions and it worked. And I had this like great bread right off the bat. And Maybe I was, uh, yeah. yeah, and I was hooked. I really yeah. was hooked. His name is Max Werner, by the way. Werner, and okay. And he's very funny and a really great writer. And I was like, wow, okay, this is pretty amazing. And then I just started going down into this rabbit hole. And it gave me so many things, not just the practice of making it, but actually I realized, like you said at the start, flour, water, salt, and yeast is the only thing that goes into bread. That's right. what bread is. Flour, That's, water, salt, and yeast. If you don't do salt, how does it work? How does it work it, out? It uh, it works out pretty bland. Okay. It just doesn't have any sort of depth. It's just pretty bland? Yeah. It's like uh, cardboardy oh, <laughs> in taste. And it taste. affects texture? Does it affect and the, the texture text, at all? Yeah. The texture, you know, they say that the salt really has like a, a chemical effect for the texture. Okay. Uh, but... I have to say, like, I had a, this beautiful bread came out and I gave it to my friend and she was like, did you use salt? There's nothing. So, like, the texture was fine, but yeah. it just tasted horrible. <laughs> and uh, and now literally whenever I go to bake bread, I always have her picture in my mind of like, did you use salt? <laughs> did you? Yeah. It's uh, my mother-in-law used to keep the salt and the sugar in the same color thing. Oh. And so the errors were that you can imagine were made on the regular. <laughs> and until she did made that error, like somebody else would come and cook and make the error. It was funny. Yeah, uh, but hilarious. when she finally made the error, uh, she was like, oh, I'm going to get a yellow one and a red one. And uh, please do. Please do. Problem solved. Yeah. It's amazing how you have these little things in your life. And it's like the, the fix is so easy. But yeah. you just don't do it. <laughs> just don't do I it. I just know where, which one is which. I was like, do you? Okay. What, yeah. So you used to cook, cook, just regular. Did you do any other baking? Or like a, like no. a Nestle's Tall House cookie maybe? Or No, my wife was uh, was into baking. She doesn't really cook. And okay. She's, it's, not, it's not really her thing, but she would always bake. She was Her mother was a really good baker, and she would bake a lot. And I always considered baking not in my wheelhouse because it is very detail oriented and it's very precision oriented and I'm not that way like I cook and just go by feel and you mm -hmm. know approximate and baking is always so rigid but but bread is kind of a bridge between the two you it's a little it's it has a little more artistic freedom in your measurements and what you're doing with it than uh than like, cake like strict or? pastries or cakes yeah okay. yeah yeah what yeah. what makes what makes it more like my my thing with the with the bread machine? It was supposed to be idiot proof, and yet, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'd put it in, and it wouldn't even mix right. But when yeah, I don't... Andy put stuff in, it turned into weird square bread with a hole in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Either way, <laughs> the end result with that thing is not going to be the best. <laughs> I uh, there the thing is it's. There's a lot of feel. I think that's what cooking also lends itself to. There is things like you can, if you blow up the measurements and stuff, you will ruin it for sure and the timing of it. But there's also, it, it's not rigid. It's not like the timing and the amounts will stay the same no matter what. It depends on uh, your temperature, 
in your in your place. Okay. How active your starter is. If things are hot, warm, summer, yeah. uh, things are the yeast is a lot more active. Things happen a lot more quickly. Okay. It's opposite, of course, in the winter. And um, so there's a, so you're kind of you're in touch with it and you're feeling it and you're make you're changing uh, That's parameters cool. a little bit. It's like you're living in the you're actually living in the moment because you have to be aware of the temperature yeah. and the humidity or I yeah know, there's something with altitude too isn't there or yes yes very how good long it, yeah exactly it? yeah it's all of these all of these factors kind of come into play so you know if you if, if someone gives you a recipe and they're from and they're baking it and writing it down from colorado in the middle of the winter and you're in southern california there's going to be a little tweak Okay, you know? what is that? And also tw- how active your starter is, how how active the yeast is. You where know, that's going to change too. Where do you keep the yeast when you're not taking from it or <laughs> adding to it? It's got, there's two of them. One is originally from Max and one is the one my daughter created. Aww. And they both have their separate mason jars. Okay. And they are in the refrigerator. Okay, refrigerated. They, yeah, because you have to feed it. You have to feed it flour and water to keep it alive. Okay. So, but if you, you don't put it in the to, refrigerator, you don't have to air it out anymore. It's all mm, just in the thing now. Yeah, it'll be okay. If you once you take it out yeah. and you put it in a bowl and have it on the counter, it's really active. It's going to be eating up all of the uh, the flour and the and the water, and it's going to be really active. And it's going to be eating it, digesting it, and if you don't keep feeding it, it it uh, it starves essentially, and then and then dies. Dies off. Yeah. So okay. if you put it in the refrigerator, it slows down the fermentation. So you'd only have to feed it like once every week, week and a half. And how often are you making bread? You brought me a loaf of bread when we did your podcast and it was yeah. delicious. And yeah, it was, was just it wheat. It was, it was wheat flour and I think white flour together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, it was yeah, probably so, 75% wheat. Okay. So how was you, it? What did you do with it? Well, we did many things with it, including <laughs> eggs in a basket uh, and just toasting it and having some peanut butter and, nice. and then toasting it and having some jelly. Ooh, and then like it was a big loaf of bread, too. And there's just the two of us. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the last two sort of because it was round it had, we had two triangle crusts left. Uh-huh. And so I made lentil soup and we used it for sopping up. Oh, nice. We were pretty I psyched love hearing about that. It. Yeah. yeah, I love hearing that. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I bake, I bake a lot. I bake probably twice a week. Okay. Um, it's a three, it's kind of a three day process. So it's, well, because if you want to bake bread, you decide you're going to bake it. You have to take the starter out of the refrigerator and at first you have to feed it. You're not going to be baking bread that day. Oh, you can't just take, take the starter out, grab some and put it in your dough? And put it in your dough now. No, because it's slowed down. It's uh, it's a little heavy, and it's not very active right now. I think this is why I've killed all the sourdough starter that's ever been given to me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so you take it out. I literally I go through this all the time. With, okay. I just just went through this with my cousin. They call me in a panic. They're like, "We're throwing the starter in. Why isn't it working?" Like, all right, slow down. <laughs> you have to take it out, and you have to first you have to activate the yeast basically. So it's laying in this dormant, sleepy condition in the refrigerator and you take it out and you take like a big tablespoon of it put it in a little bowl okay and then you feed it flour and water like we did before but now it's out it's on the it's at room temperature so you put the so rest of it back in put You've the rest of it this, back in this big spoonful with flour yeah, and water okay right exactly so then it gets a little active you know it and probably maybe like kind of doubles in size but it's still a little heavy it's still a little thick you throw all of that out except for one tablespoon. You dump it down the sink. And then you put more flour and water in equal parts. And when you're getting to the part about baking, and if your starter's pretty active, it'll take only two feedings. Sometimes it's three. But usually at two, I get away with it. On that second feeding, what it, be- is it becomes, my mind it becomes is- super... <laughs> It becomes super active, and now it's like tripled in size, and it's light and airy. It's got a little bubbles on top, and it's this light, airy thing. And there's a thing called the float test. If you want to test if your starter's ready to bake, you take a little 
piece of a tablespoon of, of it, put it in some water, and if it floats, you know it's light and airy enough, it's gonna be active enough to be put in with flour and water and make a bread. Wow. So this is a day. So this is like a day, day and a half we're already in, right? Because you're right. taking it out and you're feeding it. <laughs> and now you've got this thing that's active. Now you can mix your dough. Okay. So How now much? you take now you take uh, about a thousand grams of flour. This is for two loaves. Okay. About a thousand grams of flour. And then you mix that in with water, um, like 750 grams would be 75% hydration. Okay. Which, so like the bread I gave you was pretty like airy in, in between. Yeah. It's not like super yeah. dense. Nope. 75% is about that. You can go up to like 85%. It gets really airy. Uh, so you add the water and the flour, mix that up, and then you let it sit for about a half an hour. This is a process called autolise. How do you spell autolise? Auto. auto. L-Y-S-E. L-Y-S-E. Okay. Yeah. And that really lets the flour soak up all the water. It gets, it's all soaked in and it'll start to expand a little bit. And then you add your starter. Wow. Okay. Starter. A uh, little more water and uh, salt. And that's when the salt goes in. That's when the salt comes in. About two tablespoons of salt. Two oh, for two for two loaves of bread. Okay, it's going to be about two loaves. Okay. Uh, so then you mix all that together in your little starter bowl, and then you pour that. You marry it with the flour you mixed earlier with the flour and water, and now you've got a dough. You mix it all up with your hands, and yeah. it's this it's this globby dough. And this we- is a no this is a no need process. So you're not going to need this bread. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So here's okay. So here. Um, this is all uh, <laughs> guesswork. I take my uh-huh. two cups because I because I work in cups, not grams. I'm afraid. So I take my two cups flat of 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 a flour, and then I take uh, equal part or eighty five percent of that in water, and I just right. let it sit. I don't stir it. You do stir it. You mix stir it, it all up, together. Just, you mix it all together, but you don't knead it into a ball or into right. a goo. You just, just sort get of just it all stir it. soaked it up. Yeah. Just, and then just let it sit for a bit so it soaks the rest of the way up. Yeah. And then you add the starter. And then after, after, after like that, a half hour. And the salt. Now, if we may go back. Yes. Why are you against grams? Uh, math. Just raised. Uh, I was raised incorrectly. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am. I'm horrible with math. And yeah. uh, you got to get a digital scale. Okay. And you need to weigh it out because your two cups, yeah, flat is can be dense. You could oh. stuff that down. It's flour, right? It's it's pretty deceptive on what that <laughs> what yeah. that is. So yeah, they say that you should you should weigh it out a little digital scale. Okay, I I recommend it. <laughs> it's uh now 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 okay. So let's finish this these two loaves of bread, and then I have many questions. Okay. Um, go ahead. So we're in. Uh, we're still in day two, and we've uh, <laughs> we've mixed it all together, right? And we've taken it out of this big jug, and we put it into a little slightly smaller jug, mm-hmm. about four liters. And this is a um, stretch and fold method, rather than kneading it, taking it out and beating it up and beating it up and doing that that method yeah. this is no need bread where you grab a little piece of it it's all sitting there in the bottom in the half of way half of the tub right and you reach in and you grab you stretch it up on itself and fold it turn it stretch it up on itself and leaving fold it, it and in you the bowl. feel it you feel it forming the gluten it's getting tighter it's getting tighter and and then leave it and you do that about four times over about four hours very simple process you roll in like in I was doing it this morning. Like, right. I had my radio show, and then uh, at a break, I walked in, I stretch and fold, let it sit for a little longer. Four years, four hours later, um, I'm ready to shape the bread. Okay. You dump Wait, that out on the at counter. At no time are you taking it out of the the tub that you have mixed it all in. You're just nope. lifting, folding, lifting, folding a little bit of that every yep. couple every hour for four hours. Yeah. Just so you can feel the gluten make. 
Yeah, well, it's it's actually helping. It's it's actually creating the gluten. It's actually mm. creating those strands that is making it. And you'll feel it like you as you're stretching and folding. By the time you're around the the bread on the fourth time, it's a little hard to stretch it. It's not. Yeah. The first one will be like pretty large, and then the last one's like pretty tight. And then you've this you've proofed it. It's been proofing for four hours, and it'll have probably doubled in size. And it has structure to it. And that's what you want. You want it to be able to hold itself together to make bread. And you want it to uh, have uh, fermented. And you dump it out on the counter. And now you're into shaping. Right. Now you're going to shape this big glob into two loaves. So you throw it on the counter. You take your your, your um, bread knife. And you mix it into two pieces. And... This is a process that's hard to kind of describe, but you basically pull it on itself and okay. it starts to form this top. You basically have a top to the bread and you keep pulling it and it becomes this tight little ball. Oh, wait. You make so it, you sort of just, you're, you're smoothing it from the top underneath, smoothing it from the top underneath. Yeah. I've seen yeah. it done on the Great British Bake Off. I've seen it right. like, and then, they, <laughs> then there's some rotation happening yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you kind of like pull it towards you. There's okay. a lot of different slight variations in that shaping process. Some sure. people just do it with a knife. Some people do the thing. Uh, you find what works for you. And then you leave that for about 20 minutes. And if it's has a, if it's really, if it's been, there's a lot of variations to all this, but if there's, if it's been overproofed, yeah, that ball will flatten pretty quickly. Like within five minutes, it's kind of like a flat pancake. If it's, if it's proofed correctly, over 20 minutes, it'll get kind of a flattish. And that's what's that's what really what you want. You don't want okay. it loose. It's not going to shape very well. It's not going to hold. If uh, if it flattens out, or do you have to start over? No, there's no really going back. Okay. You can shape it again, and sometimes that does help give it a little more structure. But once you've overproofed it, like if I, I did that the other night, and I left it for five hours in its thing, like yeah. four is the limit. This one, like five, five and a half hours, it's big. It's like, it looks big and fluffy. Yeah. It's kind of cool, but it doesn't hold its shape and the breads come out or they're ultimately, they're going to be pretty flat. Okay. So now we've shaped it. Yeah. And then you shape it after 20 minutes, you shape it again. And this is a, this is more like, um, kind of like an envelope. You flip it on its, on its back Mm -hmm. and you pull the outside of this roundish shape in on itself, flip it over, and now you've got a tighter ball that's a little more, it's like you've shaped it a second time, and you take that and you put it in your basket, in your Benetton, in your uh, your little bread basket. There's a bread basket. There's Is a bread basket Is it made of wicker? Involved. Is it yes. creepily made of wicker? It's that's not, not. It's not the wicker that creeps you out, really. Okay. But, Just but a it's red not a, tan? But it's not a wicker that would make you comfortable, either. Now, I'm not comfortable with wicker for some reason. <laughs> I have no idea why I have a visceral reaction to wicker. But I what know do you, that why, about why you. Why is it in a basket? Why is it not on because, a pan to bake it? No? Because we're not. We're only in day <gasps> two, Jackie. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. That's right. It's a three-day. Wow. Yeah. Do bakeries do all of this? Is that why? Yes. Bakery bread is so amazing. <laughs> yes. Why. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, and look, it's a three day thing. Like if you're starting, if you were to start for your first time, it's going to seem like this arduous process that's very lengthy. And, uh, but once you're into the groove, yeah, it's like, you know, things are fermenting, things are being shaped, things are in the fridge proofing, things are being baked. You're kind of in the rhythm of something. There's, oh, so there's a stage always going on. Fair enough. Okay. Right? Yep. So you take these now in these baskets, you put them in the basket. You can let them sit out on the counter for an hour and let them proof are, rise are a little bit more. Are things covered? Do things have yeah, I use like, this a cloth, like a tea towel or? Uh, yeah, exactly. I have like this burlapy towel that, uh, has this funny coffee thing <laughs> picture on it. Okay. I throw that over. But here's a little funny thing. When you go to, now what you're going to do with this is now put it in the refrigerator overnight. Okay. That is going to... Uh, slow it down, won't it? Be its final proof. It's Right? It's going to slow it down. Right. It's not going to like expand like it would if we left it on the counter. But it's going to still be fermenting and it's going to make the flavors deeper. 
And it's also going to、ah. make it easier to, to manage. It actually becomes a firmer loaf. So when we go to the next stage, you'll see why in a minute you want to be able to handle it. When it's、yeah. loosey goosey, you can blow it at this next stage. Okay. So、uh, a little trick that a friend of mine gave me shower caps. Oh. You take a shower cap you just and you put that、out. over your basket. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your little covering when you put it in the refrigerator. In the fridge. So, cloth, okay, on the counter. Once in the fridge, put a nice little shower cap. Matter of fact, I think that、uh, the, the Reynolds wrap cling film people are、uh-huh. making shower cap、uh, for, they're making、uh, shower caps for food now. Oh, yeah. I mean, because that allows you where it's on the counter, you're covering in a, in a towel. It's, you've got two together. Now, if you've individually wrapped them, you can put them on separate shelves in the fridge.、Okay. Yeah. And that's where it will sit overnight. And the longer you keep it in, the richer, the deeper the flavors are. Usually, the schedule that I'm on now is that、uh, I just took bread out of the oven, but I also have bread that's being. It's in the works that was just in the stage of it hasn't been shaped yet. It's still、okay. rising. Oh, okay. That will be done today around six o'clock. Okay. That'll go in the refrigerator. And then that'll come out, and I will bake it anywhere between eight in the morning to like 12, 1, 2 o'clock. It's, it's no you, hard, steadfast can, rule. Can you leave it in the fridge too long? You can. It will. It will get. It will eventually, same as the start, start to harden up and it'll be over fermented and it will it'll start to die. But a really interesting thing is sometimes I've screwed up and forgotten for a long time, like a full day. It was like, oh,、yeah. come running home. Oh, there's bread. And I forgot, totally forgot about it. It's surprising how deep the flavor is. It's like it actually makes it better. There's、huh. like a, a tipping point, which I'm not sure when that would be. Right. But it,、uh, but but it, can, yeah. it can just be more flavorful or just more. That's interesting because、mm-hmm. it feels like quite a commitment, this bread making business with a three day process. We're not process. even at day three. We're, we're still at day two? Oh, that's right, because you just put it in the fridge. Isn't that And, crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. So now it's eight o'clock. So the commitment continues. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like, this is like having this a child. This is、pet. why you're married and have children for so long. Well done, <laughs> it's、sir. true. Yeah, because it has, yeah, you're thinking ahead. It's always organizing, it's always thinking of like, what's going to happen that, you know. And then the next day, you take it out of those, you take these two Dutch ovens. These cast iron Dutch ovens with、okay. a lid. Oh, okay. Put those in the oven, crank it up to 500 degrees, let it heat up.、Um, Wait, you put and, it in cold and then turn the heat on?、Uh, Or do you the, preheat? The Dutch ovens. Yeah. The bread's still in the fridge. Oh, okay. Oh, you're just hotting up the, bre- the Dutch ovens. Yeah.、Okay. They get up to 500 degrees. <laughs> yeah. You take these out and you are going to transfer them now from the baskets into. The Dutch ovens that are now 500 degrees. So, this is why you want it to be firm. This is why being in the fridge is your friend because you're going to turn it out. I could actually hold it in your hand and put it delicately into the Dutch oven without burning yourself. Yeah. That's an important thing. And then you take a razor, you slash whatever design you want on the top because it's, it's going to let air out. Okay.、Uh, you spray water in there for steam, put the lid on it, shove it in the oven for 20 minutes. Take the lid off, lower it to 450, another 15 minutes. Take the bread out of the Dutch oven, put it in there to brown at the final stage for about 12 to 15 minutes. Okay. And now you have bread. <laughs> Exhausting, right? <laughs> Exhausting. Holy smokes. That's why. Okay. <laughs> and that's what I did for you. And that is what you did for me. You made me、uh, a, a wheat bread. What are the ones? Because so, the, so I have many questions about the kinds of breads that can、uh-huh. happen.、Okay. Are there, do you make like two or three of, of the sort of the, your go tos, or is it just that wheat bread、yeah. that you do?、Uh, s- slight variations of that bread is like my main thing. It's like、okay. a country loaf, and you can vary the wheat. The wheat is really the, is the, the key. Like 
and when I started, I was just using King Arthur flour, just yeah. white flour from the supermarket. Great flour. It's, it's an awesome flour, an awesome company. Um, but it gives you a certain kind of regular bread, which is, you know, all bread is great. Yeah. But then I started look, looking into these different flours. I started when I would go on the road and I would check on Instagram. I started looking at these bakeries that were these artists and bakeries that were making amazing bread. And I started checking what flour they were using. Right. And there's a couple great bakeries in L.A. and this woman, Kate, up in uh, Ojai. And they were all using uh, flour from Central Milling, which is is up in uh, Northern California. Okay. And uh, I started ordering the the same flour for myself. And, And do you see a difference? Oh, yeah. A huge difference. Interesting. And there's there's a ton of different flowers out there. There's a place in Pasadena uh, called Griston Toll. Uh, there are all these pl- all these places are getting back to using wheat that was grown in a smaller farm environment that was native to that state. You know, so there's there was this time to- there was a point where with all food where they started just mass producing stuff and thought that we just have to feed all of these people and they kind of destroyed smaller farms and smaller butcheries. Right, they thought and, that they were going to get rid of famine. And yeah, yeah, right. Which, which I, look, I kind of a good they, intent. A, a great intent and kind of worked. Not, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't get rid of all of it, but there's crap food for everyone now. For everyone. And, and God bless it because yeah. I always think about at lunchtime, think about... Seven billion people yeah. walking around looking for something to eat. Like yeah. that's that's what you know, it is. That's it's, what it is. Yeah. But when you're when you but once you slow down that, and live within your community, right? And maybe you don't need to let them feed you know the masses that way that you know are hustling and whatever and you need to yeah. be fed that way. You can actually support and be. Uh, doing something good for the environment and for the local economy by having that farmer grow that wheat the way they used to and supplying it with this miller who's making it into flour and then you make it into your bread. And that's a very simple chain, but. Right, the big big problem was addressed, but now Mm -hmm. we can take parts of the problem that that big problem created and sort of peel it off and go, okay, so if we can do that on a large scale, let's do that in a million tiny scales where it's healthier and better for you and more local, right? Right, exactly. And the thing you have to do, though, is it, how, or that you don't have to do it, and I don't have to do it, but they have to figure out how do they make it profitable for yeah. the farmer, everyone along that little chain, everyone has can to they make, still make, make money? money? Yeah, everyone has yeah. to make a living. And But I think with the big with the big farms for a, for a minute, and I don't know, like I know that they've branched out and done other things, but um, I think that they their profit margin was was so great that it wasn't just let's make a living, it's let's, let's make a gratuitous pro- a profit where if everyone just sort of made enough to live on and then you know you're gonna want a bass boat everybody's yeah. gonna want you know or a snowmobile <laughs> yeah. but uh but the thing is yeah you want your extras yeah i everybody wants at least one extra in their life <laughs> and uh and it's um, yeah but, but what it, these it what they started done. to do is in in that vein when they wanted so many bass boats is that they start wiping out these small farmers right and they and there's even uh things like mon was it Montas, Mons- Mon- Monsanto? Monsanto. Yeah. Like they actually want to like trademark every seed. Every, they want ownership over everything. So right. even if this small farmer goes and makes this heritage wheat, they can sweep in and say, that's our wheat. It's like, no, kind of yeah, nature made this. Yeah, you and, didn't. Yeah, there's a reason this planet would like us to die, because yeah, uh, we're super yeah. bossy as a species. So bossy, <laughs> the bossiest of all species. But uh, on a small level, like the thing that really turned me on about the bread—not just the process of doing it and having like a little fun little hobby—was, you know, the bread I was getting for my family in a supermarket 
which I thought was good bread that seemed like the crunchiest, weediest yeah. bread that you could get with the little wooden sign and the logo and all of it, uh, had 32 ingredients in it. Uh, and you learn that they actually, the FDA actually had to change the definition of what bread was and enable to rule and regulate the this bread product that was coming at us. But that's not really bread. This isn't even really bread. Flour, water, salt, and yeast, that's bread. That's bread and everything that you... So I was going to ask you about flavored breads and and savory breads and sweet breads, uh, not brains, just a bread that you put like a cranberry in. I don't know. But what, <laughs> a, banana bread. Do you yeah, ever, yeah. Have, have you ever... Uh, do you add like rose... Do you make a rosemary loaf? Yeah, there's a... There's, I have to say, and I've been I've been at it for a pretty long time, but I How haven't long? gotten too adventurous. Probably like six years. Okay. And I I make this amazing olive loaf. Yeah. Which I was going to make for you actually, and didn't have the ingredients, but a black olive and a Kalamata olive, lemon zest, and herbs de Provence. Yeah. And walnuts if you want to go really crazy. Uh, and that olive loaf is. <laughs> insanely good it's it's amazing amazingly good uh i make that i make bagels okay Uh, sesame and poppy seed bagels which is like it's still it's a variation off if you want to make andy ashcraft a poppy seed bagel he would probably uh insert dirty joke (laughs) uh he freaking loves a poppy seed how do you make bagels is that a three-day process it's not. It's a shorter process. Okay. Uh, because you, you're still. I had a hard time finding good bagels out here in in L.A. Western There's bagels, been... the best of the lot, and it's just. I mean, if you can get a better bagel than Western bagel, you win. Yeah, the, which I did find, by the way. Oh, you did. There's a uh, yeah, Bell's bagels. Thank you. B e l l e s bagels. Okay. Um, it's over in, I think it's Hancock Park. I always get confused with those neighborhoods. Right. But Bell's Bagels in LA. And they, this there's this great baker, Bub and Grandma's, who supplies a lot of the bread to all of the restaurants when restaurants were open in Los Angeles. And he's just, this guy, Andy, amazing baker, amazing breads. And he was connected with Bell's Bagels somehow. So I was like, oh, this has got to be good. And they're good. They're okay. so good. Oh man, they're good. But I before I found Bells, I couldn't find any, and I was looking at one of my books. I started, you know, getting obsessed with this, so I started following accounts and going online and ordering every great bread book I could find. Sure. And and I found a recipe for bagels. I was like, "Ooh, let me give that a shot." And using the sourdough starter as the yeast for those bagels, again the flavor. Right. I was like, I couldn't believe I had made something close to the East Coast bagel that I loved. Yeah. And it was in my own kitchen. I was so excited. That's, did you find that in one of the books, the, that recipe? Yeah. Do you know what mm-hmm. book offhand or? No, it's a French name. I'd okay. have to look it up. Cause, you it's know, over and, there in the pile. And what you should know is that my mother-in-law, uh, Chris Foley, makes a hell of an English muffin. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that, not about her, but I've right. heard that. <laughs> Making Here an English now. muffin is yeah. uh, is a really satisfying endeavor. It's a, it's a satisfying. It took her probably a good year, year and a half to nail it. Yeah. And now she she and their sourdough, and she's had the same mother, the same sourdough starter for decades. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've killed the mother. She's <laughs> shared it with us. Her uh, offspring. Her offspring. <laughs> uh, and uh, but it is. Uh, she makes a. It's. You know, like I like a Thomas English muffin occasionally, but I, I, that's kind can't. of the only commercial bread I buy now. I, yeah. I just bought it yesterday. Was a Thomas's English muffin? Yeah, and but her English muffins are so much better. And she also has a weird tool. Yeah. She has a squishy tool that you put in, uh-huh. and you press it, and it's got like forks on it. That when you press it, it 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 brings it up so you can see all those cool Ooh. holes. Oh man. So if you, right, cut, if you cut an English muffin with a knife, you just sort of have bread and not really the holes that holds all of the butter. 
that you wish to put <laughs> on an English muffin or cream or whatever, cream cheese or whatever the hell. <laughs> Do you like the cinnamon raisin English muffin? I don't. I, I don't like a cinnamon raisin almost anything. Uh, raisins, I think, are my downfall. But um, but Andy really likes, uh, he likes fruit with meat. Here, Oh, I was going to uh-huh. tell you this. If you ever make a rosemary loaf. Yeah. And then you want to make chicken of the gods, that chicken recipe that uh-huh. I told you about. The basic chicken recipe, salt, pepper, garlic, a little bit of butter maybe if you want to crisp up the skin. If you take that rosemary loaf, uh-huh. do a rough chop or a rough rip on it, put it underneath the chicken oh, and boy. bake the chicken on top of it, <laughs> oh, you get something boy. called chicken bread in my parlance and it is all it is is chicken schmaltz it's chicken fat that oh is soaked God. into the greatest bread in the world and that's then you amazing. try not to eat all of it uh, that's amazing holy cow i'm definitely going to try that yeah yeah because yeah. there's there is a cool thing like you can off of that basic loaf that i was describing you can kind of add anything you want like i you could just add rosemary to it yeah. you could add Cheese Where, and jalapeno when do is you a add great it? variation. Do you add in it in that stretch and fold after the, before you after you've mixed it all together and you're going to start stretching and folding that first time or yeah. two? Start adding all those ingredients. Okay, stretch, fold, wait, uh, add, throw wait. some stuff. Yeah, and then no, come just, back. Yeah, stretch, fold, maybe add a little bit more. Wait. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. You can't during that whole process. You're going to be fine because that stuff doesn't really have to do too much. The one thing you have to keep in mind with that is a lot of these ingredients have moisture. So if you're adding olives, uh, if you're adding cheese, you don't need as much water in your bread. Oh. But these are these are like smaller moves. Yeah, yeah. That's but you, yeah. <laughs> the lovely yeah. minutia that I. Love. I started getting into uh, rye breads. Okay. Which You're using are, a rye flour, then, I assume. Yep, exactly. Which is a weird flour. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird, dense, gooey, mud-like flour. Yeah. Which, uh, it speaks to the, the German side of me. <laughs> There's like sure. one part of, and I, um, and those, you put like fennel seed and caraway seed and man, those, the flavors that come out of that are so rich. Rye is powerful. Like if you even just add like 10% rye flour to this country loaf, it'll just add all this flavor. So it becomes this whole tweaking thing. You just start to explore the different flours and the different things you can add to it. And you kind of get good at it and you can like add them to your roster. Okay. So uh, first of all, allow me to remind everyone, I'm talking to Tom Papa. That's uh, and you're going to want to follow Tom Papa on all the Tom Papa things that you can follow him on, which is at Tom Papa uh, for the things. And then he's got a new book called You're Doing Great and Other Reasons to Stay Alive. Got a show on Sirius XM called What a Joke. Got a podcast called Breaking Bread and a YouTube uh, channel, which is the Tom Papa YouTube channel, which will have many things like how to make bread. But um, speaking of that book, is yes. the... Um, is it fiction? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Lately. It's, it's uh, well, I think, because I was thinking about a terrible series, and I'm hoping she's better now. But there are these things called cozy mysteries. Have you heard mm-hmm. of the cozy mystery? No. Oh, it's a terrible, terrible idea. There's murder, <laughs> but it's sort of like they've taken the sort of the Agatha Christie or the, or the, the Angela Lansbury TV show. Uh-huh. And they liked the cute part of it. <laughs> yeah. And so they I get turned that. it into a kind of a book where someone's murdered. There's been some sort of horrible crime. But, but why bother? <laughs> there's also something else going on. And there's a woman from northern Minnesota. And I read uh-huh. probably three of her books. You would have thought I would have stopped at one, but I was like, maybe it's a fluke because her name is Joanna Fluke. Uh, (laughs) It's a fluke that she was published initially uh, because there are these cozy mysteries and like they're called like the blueberry mini muffin murder mystery or something. Yeah. And every chapter has a recipe. Uh, Of course. And yeah. In all of the books. In all of the books that I read, it was recipe because it's it it. She's in some some uh, tiny town in northern Minnesota. 
mm-hmm. you know, like near Brainerd, where uh-huh. there's they start their cars from the outside. I have no <laughs> yeah. idea. There's there's trouble. It's up in yeah. the Iron Range, and uh, but the the uh, the premise of the one that I remember the most was a blueberry mur- muffin murder mystery, and it was <laughs> there's a woman named Tina Cation who also writes, they're called the kebab murder mystery, and they're all Middle Eastern. Like one is... <laughs> Are these popular? It's like, it's like, uh, I th- the cozy mysteries are hugely popular. Is what I, I'm saying is that you could write them. <laughs> there could be recipes and they might, and because you're a comic... Yeah. I think there's a better chance of uh-huh. you being good at it. Like, <laughs> right. I don't know if you know Tess Rafferty, Used to do stand-up as a comedy writer now. uh, Uh Used to do stand-up comedy. She has published her first murder mystery. And all murder mysteries now. Gotta have a hook. And hers does. It's called Under the Tuscan Gun. (laughs) And it's set in Tuscany, Uh, Italy. Hilarious. um, And it's, it's... it's actually, uh, it's quite, it's lightly, fu- it's lightly written and lightly funny. But like the uh-huh. Joanna Fluke murder mystery thing, the main character, as far as I remember, was a baker who neither solved the crime nor <laughs> was a victim of the crime. She just lived in the town and she <laughs> was our narrator. And uh, uh, she just happens even... to be baking and hearing about this news in the town. Yeah, because I don't even remember what the crime was. I remember the, the recipes and I remember. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's a lot. Would you ever do you. What do you think of the likelihood of people who bake bread to be murderers? Oh, very low. Very low. Very low, but if they did do it, they'd be good at it because they're they're kind of loners, <laughs> 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 and they're methodical and they think things out. And I think uh, there'd probably be some fermentation involved. I think, but I have to say, I did this show on the Food Network where I traveled around the country talking to bakers and in all these different cities, and what? Very few people open up a shop in a town to make cakes and cookies for people. Very few of those people are assholes. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They're not. That's a long con to go <laughs> to, <laughs> to do bake sales and make kids happy and birthdays and graduations and then start killing people. <laughs> that is the longest con. I yeah. actually think bakers are people pleasers of the of of the most specific type now that you've made me think of it because they're yeah. like I am going to spend 3 days making a loaf of bread that you are going to love. <laughs> I and- know it's really true. <laughs> and that's what I've been doing during this whole pandemic. I've been just making bread and because I make four loaves a week. Yeah. And I live with my wife and my two daughters and it's, you know, there's only so much bread you can eat. It's true. Uh, so I just started delivering it to all of our comedian friends. Right, right. And I gave some to Lori. I gave some oh, to everybody I know. I just get my cars when there's no traffic, especially in the early part of this, when there was like nobody on the road and you couldn't leave your house. Yeah. I just get in the car and go drive to Ali Wong's house <laughs> and deliver bread through the... Uh, through oh, the vestibule. Just there you go. Yeah, right. It's uh Bamford. You should you should give one to Bamford. Yeah, I should. She's uh, been away. She's she's uh, been she, away. She's back yeah. now. And uh I want to talk to her too because we got a pug. Oh, there you go. Sure. Yeah. She yeah. she's running a hospice for aging pugs. <laughs> she know, keeps I adopting can... these very, very old animals and makes the, their last months uh, kind of the greatest months of their lives. I can't. It shows what an angel she is. The it idea is. that you would bring an animal into your house on its last months. On its last legs. Yeah. Oh, my and, God. And the thing is, is I don't think she started doing it on purpose. She just was drawn to the most damaged <laughs> dog possible. And it was always just a very old pug chihuahua mix or yeah. just a pug. And and so maybe I'll give her a bread and get some pug tips. Pug tips. Yeah. She's got <laughs> pug tips for it for sure. And, uh, that sounds like something you would get in a restaurant. <laughs> a, you want to get some pug tips for the table? Pug tips. Yeah. It's, it's uh, have you ever heard Ian Carmel's uh, pancakes for the table bit? Yeah. It's uh, really funny. Yeah. He's right. Uh, no, nobody should eat because there's only so much bread you can really eat and um, yeah 
So I've just been delivering it and bringing it to people and it does make them happy. And I enjoy that it makes them happy. And I know they're not getting bread like this in their day-to-day life. And it's been a nice way for me to like see comics who we don't get to see like in the clubs anymore. And uh, yeah, but, but I have to say, as much as I love it, meeting all these bakers and stuff, that life is hard. Like though, like I, until I started like meeting these people, I would just roll into a bakery or a coffee shop and see a counter, a big case filled with pastries and breads and muffins and all that. And just like, Oh, like it's always been there. Yeah. And then you realize when you talk to these people, there was someone in that shop around the clock, 24 hours a day at two o'clock in the morning. Someone's at one stage of that baked item. That. So that case is filled up at seven o'clock in the morning for wow. when you roll in. And then when it's they run out. hard work. I will say this is I went to a coffee shop just because occasionally I like to get a cup of coffee that I didn't make. Yeah. Uh, even in quarantine. <laughs> so yeah, I, know. I go it's to this treat. coffee shop and, you know, they've got it spaced out and it's all contactless and it's good. But um, yeah. I was like, hey, do you guys have any food? And they said, yeah, we had a pastry thing full of pastries but they've all sold out and i i remember feeling irritated Uh but then exactly i thought to myself oh well somebody made a lot of pastries and probably have had to either lower production because of 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 turnover how many people are coming yeah right or they've had to pick up production because more people are like desperately yeah give me yeah. Give me something. Yeah, I, I know. You make. get irritated. You're like, what do you mean? You have no, there, there should always be pastry for me. What do you mean yeah. you run out? Who runs out? <laughs> right. This is America. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. And, uh, so, but I suppose that is. Um, now, why did you. I do want to ask one more thing about the bread is that why do you always make no need bread? Yeah. Well, did you ever try and it? It depends because, like, uh, a challah bread um, that I need. That's you a braided it. bread, isn't it? Isn't it's a, a braided plat? bread with sugar and egg in it. Mm. It's Jewish bread. Yeah, yeah. Um, for that for bread, you Friday need... night services or something, yeah, right? Yeah, the Ladies? bagels you need. Oh, you know what else? Um, pretzels. Oh. <laughs> you make pretzels? Which my, daughter has, which my daughter has put a request in recently. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's How do you a fun make pretzels? One. And that, that happens, prob- that's not that long. That probably takes like an hour or two. And you can have like homemade pretzels in your house, but you still have to let that the 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 stuff sit on the counter for a day, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yes, yes. Because it's got to ferment. That still and has to be thing. active and ready to go. Yeah, for sure. So, do you always have a little bit of that on the counter just in case you want to make pretzels or something quick? Yeah, there's usually there's usually some on the counter that's being fed. That's While the other two are sitting in the, uh, in the, in the refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. And then if an unfed, like if you get to a point where you have that little bowl out on the counter and you haven't fed it in a day and you're, it's either I'm going to either I have to feed it or it's got to go down the drain. Okay. Or another option is you take a cup of that unfed starter and you add a cup of buttermilk, a cup of brown sugar, and a cup of flour, and mix that all together in a bowl and let that sponge, it's called the sponge, let that sit overnight. And in the morning, wake up and you add an egg to it and some vanilla and some baking soda and you're making waffles. Oh, Wow. Sourdough waffles. Yeah. Andy's, those are, Andy those makes are waffles. off the hook. Yeah, yeah. But he makes waffles. He he makes them morning of and it's not, he I, he might use, must use yeast or baking uh-huh. soda or something. But, um, yeah. but he likes to use different kinds of flour, interesting flour, like chickpea uh-huh. flour. He likes to put a little either chickpea or arrowroot. Mm-hmm. He likes to mix it up with weirdo flours made out yeah. of non-grain grains oh interesting how are they, they they're great he makes yeah. a hell of a waffle with, uh, <laughs> i don't need waffles a lot of waffles. are good yeah waffles I know. are good you can't but, eat those that often <laughs> right how many waffles can you eat that's but, a special occasion so you you have both mothers you have the one from max and then you have the one that your daughter made yeah and um 
This is just made from dirt in the air, as far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and that's where I sort of bulk. And then I go, what are you, how much dirt do you, are you already eating? Calm down. Anyway, yeah. so do those, when you make, if you were to make two breads with each of those mothers, how different are those flavors? Because they're both sourdough, uh, right? They're kind of different. Yeah. The It's interesting. The one that my daughter got started is a lot more active, which it shouldn't be because it's mostly white flour. It's it's it was a, a white flour based starter. Do you have and to keep doing a lot of white times flour? Wheat, wheat is a little more active. Okay. So, but for some reason, hers is uh, it's it's really active. Like you could feed that once and be able to bake bread off of it. The other one needs a couple a couple but it, the other ones max is a little more creates a little bit more of an earthy flavor to it how do you how do you know what because you said you, you feed it and then you might have to feed it again to for it to be ready to make to use in bread how do yeah. you know that it's ready to use in bread that it's doubled or yeah you you could tell that it's like uh you want to get it at its peak so it starts bubbling and it gets bigger in size and it becomes very like cloud-like bubbles like big bubbles oh, okay and, uh, if you, you, if you like kind of take that little bowl and kind of like knock it on the table for a yeah. second and it doesn't completely flatten, then it's really ready to go because it's all big and bubbly, but yeah. it's still kind of strong. Then it starts to, if you leave it, it just starts to go down. And but again, much... that, that's the float test. That's a good way to oh, kind of right. get Oh, that's right. Then your... you take a little piece off and you put it yeah. just in cold water. Did you say? What was it? Yeah, any water. Just any water, water just to see if it floats. Yeah. And then, and how much are you using in the bread? Like if you have so many grams and so many liters, how much? It's, it's about... Uh, it's about 200 to 360 grams of starter. Okay. Yeah. So it's about like two and a half cups. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, uh, that's your yeast, that's your, your flavor, and it also has uh, water to it. All right. Fascinating. Yeah. Then you're making bread, baby. Then you're making bread. You're making bread. You're giving it to all the people. And, and why wouldn't you? Uh, and I have to say, the, the cool thing about it, uh now or when i'm writing a lot like when i'm writing the books yeah you know every half hour 40 minutes or so you get up to stretch and get some water or whatever that's when you go and do whatever step there is for the bread it kind of lends itself to a writer's kind of rhythm right because you... you're not supposed to like you're supposed to take a break every 30 or 40 minutes yeah you're um, supposed to get up stretch your legs walk away right. from it for a second and the bread so you just kind of go in and you do this next step and then you're it's uh it doesn't become like i know the the process seems like this big long daunting yeah thing but uh it actually just fits into the rhythm of a day it's it's pretty oh. pretty nice that way interesting that's that is kind of cool because i know that um like I'm in this garage for like six hours a day now, uh -huh. and it's uh it can be a bit of a drag, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so and I have the curtains closed so that the sound is a little bit better, but uh -huh. it is nice when I can open the curtains and let the sun in and I can see the garden and stuff. So I know, I know, I closed my blinds for the radio show because we were on like this. Yeah, and. Yeah, there's something about having the when we're not working and you have like a day off and those blinds are just open. The light. It's a it's yeah, the light. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is like living in New Jersey. <laughs> right. Right, I don't need I don't need to live in Alaska right now. It's, right, uh, it's exactly. so brutal. It's, yeah. Um, but like I tell people, you know, if I've never had a hobby before and if you are going to get a hobby, it's might as well be one that you can eat. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, my hobby has been this uh, vegetable garden, and um, and I've had it for I would say since two thousand four. Mm -hmm. um, I've always called it a victory garden because uh, we've always been at war, and uh, <laughs> you gotta. And plus, but I've done it because garden tomatoes are my downfall. They aren't. You know, it turns out they're not the greatest thing for you to eat a lot of. Because oh. they're so acidic, right? That uh, tomatoes. But for two months, I eat <laughs> hundreds of tomato sandwiches. Oh man, yeah, that's great. Because there's I nothing just better. Need to 
Tomato, there's nothing better. And I with oh. homemade bread. Ah, oh. yeah. There's a uh, there's a recipe in Tartine's book. Tartine is this big revolutionary bread company out of uh, San Francisco. Right. And uh, what's it called? I think it's just called uh, Pan de Tomato. <laughs> and it's just bread and tomato. And you basically take this bread, put it in a skillet, and toast it with olive oil. Yeah. And then you take a tomato, your your ripe, beautiful tomato, and with the skin still on, just start rubbing it on the toasted bread and let the tomato start to soak in fragments of it and the yeah. juice put a little uh, piece of prosciutto on the top of that. Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. That's like fall yeah. off screen. We'll oh. do that next summer. <laughs> yes, please. And uh, Tom Papa, this has been a delight. We are, I believe yes. at an hour, uh, God knows, but I want to tell people one more time and thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, Tom to Papa. Do it. Yeah, exactly. It took long enough. It's at Tom Papa and Sirius XM show. What a joke. And that's daily, right? That's five days a week or more. Uh, yeah, it's five days a week. Yeah. And Monday breaking bread. Is your podcast? I was just on, yes. and uh, and the Tom Poppy YouTube channel has a lot of great uh, videos on it, and his stand up is a delight as well. You might want to look into listening to some albums because there's a, yeah, a but it that it uh, yeah the, uh, <laughs> the the real thing that I do. I've turned into right. a baker now. <laughs> right, the one man I was a band comedian <laughs> that we all are, and, and and get the new book, which is you're doing great and other reasons to stay alive, which sounds like a really good idea uh, right now. So um, thank you so much much for being on the show and rangers you know the rules out there take care of each other my hat my hat my hat they're dancing around my hat (laughs) my hat my hat my hat well what do you think of that if it looks like a mexican hat dance and it sounds like a mexican hat dance it's most likely a mexican hat dance so take off your hat and let's dance yay oh my god we why don't we just call that as the end of the show